Paul spent some time in Ephesus under house arrest for about three years, two and a half, three years. And because he was under house arrest, he couldn't, he couldn't travel, so he was a little frustrated. So he hired the hall next door to the house he was in house arrest on. And he, he said to the guards, can I, can I go next door? And they said, sure. And so he hired the hall next door, and he, there was a lecture hall. And he had lectures, and he p- preached the gospel. And people came from all around, and they listened to Paul. And some of them, one of them was in a disciple called Epaphras. And Epaphras... Uh, you know, just got, got saved and just got filled with the Spirit and just loved it and began to travel. And so Epaphras went back. Epaphras was from a city called Colossae, which was about 100 miles east of Ephesus. And he went back and started preaching in his hometown, and a church was born. And Paul eventually gets taken to Rome, and he's in jail. And Epaphras comes to visit Paul in Rome to tell him about what's going on in the church in Colossae. And so Paul ends up writing a letter to the Colossians, whom he's never met. And uh, he writes this list. Now, the, the, there are three churches. There's Hierapolis, there's Laodicea, and Colossae are all in this valley called the Lycus Valley. And it was very verdant, very, uh, they had a lot of crops there. They had a lot of flocks there. It was the center of the wool industry. Um, and Paul writes to them, and he says to when he's writing Colossians, he says, see to it that you take this letter and you read it to the Laodiceans and, and then make sure the Laodiceans give you the letter that I wrote to them and you can read their letter. It's fascinating to me, the letter to Laodicea disappeared into history. But the lesson to Colossae was kept and is put in your Bible for you to read, which is interesting. And rather than obsess about what was the other letter saying, let's read this one. So I thought... We're going to take a little time just reading, because I've been reading through Colossians recently, and I just felt like, let's just, let's just pick up some of the lessons from the Lycus Valley. Some of the things that Paul had on his heart, the urgencies that he was writing to the churches there to say, hey, make sure that you understand these things. Miles Monroe said that there are two things in life that you cannot change, but you are going to be called on to manage. Number one, You cannot change time. Time is coming at you. The sun is going to rise every morning when it chooses to do, not when you choose for it to rise. And it's going to set when it chooses to set and not when you want it to. And you are going to get 24 hours a day and the days ordained for you, the number of years set aside for you and the actual days and minutes and hours are determined not by you but by the Lord. And the second thing that is coming at you that you don't have any really control over is change. Time and change are coming at us all and you and I get an opportunity to try and manage them. And how you manage time and change makes you into the person that you are. Now the passing of time creates an accountability towards God because you've been sent to this earth for a purpose. You're on an assignment. There there is something about who you are that God needs you to accomplish. Let's just pause here. Just think this through. God does nothing without purpose. Purpose precedes creation. Right? Because God said, all right, what what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a bride for my son. And, And so before he ever started creating, he had a plan in mind and he had prepared it and planned it. There was purpose behind it. And so when God creates, it's because of purpose. 
There's nothing about you that doesn't have everything God creates has purpose. You have a purpose. That's why you exist. People go, oh, well, I was just a mistake. My parents weren't, you know, whatever. I'm going, no, you, you arrived on this earth with purpose. God has a dream for you. Can I just sit gross for a little bit? The hair in your nose has purpose. The wax in your ear is there to stop germs and gunk getting into your inner ear. It's purpose. Right? God creates because there is purpose. And when God had something in mind for you, there is a dream in God's heart. And God, because he has given you purpose, he puts you on the earth and gives you an allotted time to accomplish that purpose. Are we still tracking with me? So you don't have eternity to accomplish the purpose that God put you on the earth for. And we're currently at the start of a year. And God puts up, he set up this environment, this world in a specific way to remind us that you have to deal with time and you have to account for change. Okay, let's go to Job 14. A person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits that he cannot exceed. So look away from him and let him alone till he has put in his time like a hired laborer. Your days have been determined. And the only person I know that changed that was Hezekiah. When the Lord said, your time has come. And he said, Lord, give me 15 more years. And the Lord did. And they weren't happy 15 years. He should have died when it was his time because... He had more trouble in those 15 years than you could shake a stick at. So he should have just gone home and said, thanks, Lord. (laughs) That's just my view. But time and change are the raw materials of our lives. They're the building blocks that we stack together to create something and hopefully to to attain the purpose for which you were created. To the extent that I am attuned to the agenda of God, to that extent I bear eternal fruit. And what a tragedy it is if people come and wander around this planet doing stuff but miss their purpose. The graveyards are full of people who never became who they could have been and should have been. I'm going to get to some good news now. Jesus and those who believe in Jesus exist on this earth to demonstrate eternal purpose. We are spiritual beings, temporary housed in flesh. And God has given us days. He's numbered our days for the unseen assignment that he's apportioned to us. And God sets time markers on our days. We have days. We have morning and an evening. We have weeks and we have months and we have a year. And I thought appropriate at the marker of this year with another year behind us and another year look ahead of us that we should take this moment just to pause and have a look at the marker and what the marker means to our lives. 
God gave us days and years as mockers and reminders. And God blessed us by starting us out in time. Because time means that things are gonna change. God set up this time in seasons and in days so that you're not always going to be in winter. The reason I'm so grateful God put us in this time because time is coming at you. The reason God put you in time is that if you're having a really, really bad day, the great news is tomorrow could be better. If you're stuck in winter time, the good news is spring is coming. I got some good news for some people sitting in here, and last year was a horrible year. I got good news for you. Weeping may last for a season, but joy comes in the morning. At the beginning of the new marker, there is a new grace, the Bible says, right? Woo, it's on to preach now. Change, just like time, is inevitable. (laughs) Your past has now been assigned to history and your future is calling out to you. And let's look at this calling of days and months. Genesis 1 says, God said, let there be light in the vault of the sky to separate the day and the night and let them serve as signs and to mock sacred times, days and years and let there be lights in the vaults of the sky to give light to the earth and it was so. God deliberately structures some of the way we exist right now. Change is coming. There's morning and evening. There's winter and summer and spring. There are differences because God wants us to learn how to adapt to these things. It is our opportunity to refocus and renew our vision in line with the purpose of God. And if I was going down this road and things got cattywampus and things didn't work out, uh, I'm not eternally stuck in this reality. I have a new day, I have a new week, a new month, and perhaps a new year where I can call out to God and say, can we start this over again? Can we have new mercies. Joy comes with the morning. New mercies every day appointed for me. Time protects us from living in permanent states. Aren't you glad that nothing lasts forever? Some of you saying, but Greg, I didn't have a bad year. I had a great year last year. Can I give you some good news? That's not the best that God has for you. You ain't seen nothing yet. So we can't fight against time and change. All we can do is learn to manage them and work with them. And so the answer is planning. Because plans create targets and reinforce destinies and focus us on purpose. So the best thing to regulate time and change is planning. Now, can I just say, you're hearing this from somebody who does not enjoy planning. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, oh, he's just one of those naturally planning people. No, I'm a naturally fly by the seat of my pants, in the moment kind of guy. You're not allowed to giggle. So, you know, but...
Without a plan, time and chance and change, it, it will ruin you. So we need to be deliberate. We need to be a little more focused. We need to stir ourselves up, or maybe you don't need to, but I, if you're like me, I need to stir myself up to develop for myself a plan that is so strong that time submits to it. And the change becomes its servants. I've got to get out ahead of this thing. Proverbs 29 says, where there is no revelation, where there is no sense of the breath of God, where there's no whisper from heaven, people will cast off restraint. People won't be disciplined. People won't be focused. People won't have a, 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 a predetermined set motion. I'm going in this direction. Where there is no sense of the breath of God, no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Knowing that that's our reality, I just want to come back to you, because this is all going on in the back of my head, becoming you know beginning of a new year, and I'm reading Colossians, and I, so I, I began to just formulate some things in my heart. Number one is that we need to seek understanding. I was on a call a couple of months back with World Without Orphans, and I don't know, there must have been maybe 20, 25 people on the call from around the world, people, and I wasn't speaking on the call. I wasn't asked to present anything. I was just asked to be there. And I'm, so I'm sitting back just on the call and I'm, I'm hanging around. And, the, and I feel like the Lord says to me, I want you to pray for somebody because somebody here has got a really sore left ear. And I, I'm, it's a little like, I'm not really supposed to say anything and it's not really my time. And, but you know, I'm, I'm, I've figured it, I learned long ago, the Lord is cleverer than me. How many of you know that? Yeah. Some of the, you know, Lord's cleverer than me. So I go, so, so there's a moment and I jump in. Uh, excuse me. And so everybody's respectfully quiet. Yeah, yeah, Greg, what do you want to say? I go, somebody here, I think you've got a left ear that's sore and I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for you. Who, who is that? Dead silence. Awkward dead silence. <laughs> and because I'm on Zoom, I'm seeing everybody's expression at the same time. <laughs> So I say it a second time. Is there anyone here? Your left ear, it's sore. I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for somebody. The awkwardness intensifies now. So I say, I'm sorry, I must have missed it. I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for somebody with a sore left ear today. I thought it was on this call. Okay, sorry, sorry, go back to the call. And then as they were about to start the call, one guy goes, well, actually, my ear's sore. So we prayed for his ear. And then I had the meeting back. And I'm sitting there going, I was on a call with an important mission. And God had a different agenda. And the Lord keeps reminding me of that call in the last couple of weeks. Son, I have an agenda that you may not be aware of, but I want you to be aware of it. So we're on a call. The father's looking down and going, I really want to heal my child. And then he looks up and he sees, oh, wait, maybe Greg will have enough. Hey, I want to heal somebody's ear. There is an agenda in the heart of God that goes with the purpose that he's called you to. 
And it may not be the agenda that you have in your head at any given moment. Can I suggest to you, can I offer you that maybe you offer up a prayer and say, Lord, I would like to get on your agenda for this year. I would like to spend my time doing the thing that you have on your heart. I'd like to engage with some change that may be a little awkward, and I'm okay with that, because I really would like to be on your agenda and not just mine. See, God's looking down at the call and saying, I really would like to heal that person, and I'd really like to send everybody a message that I'm on the call with them. Now, that's about all I did on the call. I don't think I ever said any another thing because most of the people on the call are way smarter than I am in the area that they're talking about. I'm just there to sit and listen. But suddenly, that guy got healed and everybody else realizes, wow, God is part of this. That was God's agenda. And it took me two minutes to help him accomplish it. It's going to probably need us to pray for one another. Because this kind of understanding and wisdom and spiritual discernment doesn't just automatically flow. It requires somebody to be praying, to be seeking, to be energized towards this. Because if you're not energized here and you hear a thought like that, you go, oh no, that's probably, we're busy with important things. Finding the will of God, finding the purpose for which God called you, takes wisdom and understanding that only the Holy Spirit can give. Come with me to Colossians. I want to read to you. This is what Paul is praying for the church in Colossae in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we first heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the spiritual wisdom and understanding of all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. Paul said, I have not, this is my ceaseless prayer. And even though I've never met you, even though I don't know your specifics, I know this to be a truth that you need me to be praying for you, that you would be filled with the knowledge of God through all the wisdom and understanding the Holy Spirit gives. Some people assume that they will fall into the purpose of God or that it's automatic that you, that you accomplish the purpose of God in your life. And I'm telling you, I don't think it is. I think it comes when we pray for one another and when we seek out this spiritual wisdom and understanding. He said, so that by it you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. Now, I don't know all the reasons around why prayer is going to be necessary, but I do know that understanding and wisdom must be sought out. Although understanding or wisdom, you know, if you read Proverbs 8, wisdom cries out from everywhere. Wisdom cries out from the street corners. It cries out from the university campuses. It cries out from government halls. And it cries out from the tiny little bedrooms of the poor. Wisdom can be found everywhere, but wisdom is not imbibed until you seek it out. 
Spiritual discernment doesn't automatically come, although the Holy Spirit has it available, but when you seek him out, when you cry aloud, then, then you begin to understand wisdom and find the knowledge of God. So this call to pray and to search and to call is an important part. Lord, I want to get on your agenda. I want to fulfill the purpose of God for me in the time and with all the changes that are going on around me. I want you put me on the earth with an agenda, with a calling, with a purpose, and I want to be about your agenda. Proverbs 2 says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and you search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Some people think that You just live and then God shows up and just gives you the treasures of wisdom and understanding. God has provided all the treasures of wisdom and understanding in Jesus Christ. But when you make Jesus precious to you, when you draw him close, when you fill your life with him, when you call out, when you seek him, those treasures start to take root in you and you can live in wisdom and understanding and attain the purposes for which God sent you. There is an agenda that God has on his heart. There was nothing wrong with what we were doing, very important things we were talking about on that call, but on top of that, there was an agenda that God had. That was a supernatural one. Can I suggest to you, by the authority of the word of God, there is a supernatural agenda that God has for you on top of whatever agenda you currently face. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. Sure. I'm not going to get to this message in time, so I'm going to rush through. Are you still with me? Didn't want to take too much time there, but this is important. Seek understanding. I genuinely think if you took the next month and you sought the Lord and said, Lord, could you help me? Give me a focus. Give me a clarity about this year. What is that you want me to be doing? See, for me, honestly, honestly, If I get a clear word from God, son, this is what I want you to do this year. This is my agenda for you. This is the purpose for which you sent. I want you to attain this. That clarity brings me all sorts of beauty and all sorts of joy because it pre-makes a lot of my decisions in the year. Uh, Hey, would you be part of it? Sorry, I can't. I'm on this thing. No, I'm going here. uh, This is what I need to be doing. Hey, can you do this? Yeah, that's yes. Don't you want to talk to No, yes, I'm doing that. Because, because that sense of beauty that I'm filled with the knowledge of the will of God. I keep praying for you that you be filled, filled with the knowledge of the will of God through all the spiritual wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives. If you were to take the next couple of weeks 
and just seek the Lord and just commit to that. Just cry aloud and search for it as though it's treasure because it is treasure. And if you found it, what a treasure that would be for you. That's what Paul writes to the Colossians. He goes, listen, guys, I keep praying this for you. Secondly, find your tribe. Find your tribe. Colossians 2. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. Paul says, listen, guys, we've never met, but I want you to know I am wrestling for you in prayer constantly. I am fighting a battle for you. You guys don't know me. You guys are falling fast asleep at night, and I'm up here under the constraint of the Holy Spirit, wrestling and fighting and warring on your behalf. My goal is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Paul says, I'm praying for two things. This is, this is what I'm shooting for. I want you to be encouraged and I want you to be united. Why? So that you can have the full riches of complete understanding. I didn't write that. That's up there, right? Yeah. People think I make this stuff up. No, no, that's what it says. If, if people are encouraged in their hearts and they get united in love, in that environment, they get the full riches of a complete understanding. So that they may know the mystery of God who is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Ooh. Some people think this is like fantasy football. This is like fantasy church league. I'm going to sit at home. I'm going to pick that player from that team. I'm going to pick that youth guy from that church and that sermon, that teacher from that church, and I think that podcast over there, and we play fantasy church from home. Is anybody tracking with me on this one? Oh, it's great. Man, you know, I, I think I have more church than you because my, my fantasy church league is in about 20 churches. And so Sunday, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm in church more than you are, Greg. Now, this is a real team sport, people. This is not a fantasy league. This is real, live, connection with people, loving people, finding a tribe. And I don't know about you, but I don't know any family that doesn't have a weird uncle or two. Well, I, I went there, but you know, there, there were some crazy people there. Well, yeah. I went to that church, but you know, everything wasn't perfect. Yeah, because you came, right? It was perfect until you showed up. There's going to be some challenge. I guarantee you, I don't care how cute the people are. I don't care how good it is. And I love our church. I'm so proud of our church. I think we're the best church anywhere. But we're, we're a little wonky sometimes. I don't care where you go. Find a tribe. And your tribe is not going to be perfect. There are going to be people who irritate you in your tribe. There are going to be people who are strange in your tribe. People look like, like no, surely not. We need other people's encouragement and we need other people to be united in love with. 
Please hear this. We need, to in, we need to be encouraged and we need to encourage other people. And we need other people to be united in love with so that we can have the full riches of understanding and wisdom. You cannot have the full riches of understanding and wisdom unless you have that. That is hidden within that environment. And if you don't engage that environment, you don't get that prize. uh, Greg, I'm sure if I stay home, you know the internet is just amazing. There are many families out there in the world and when I hear about some of them, I go, wow. But rather than some fantastic family out there, I need a family of my own. So commit to a family. Share in the spoils and the joys and the trials and the costs and the celebrations. Make the family yours. Find a tribe and commit. What kind of message is this for the beginning of a year, Greg? This is the best I can give you. Because if you don't commit to a tribe, it's not going to go as well with you spiritually. That's what it takes. Seek understanding. Get an understanding of God's calling and purpose for your life. Find a tribe that will help you walk it out. That lady said, we spoke last week, she said, Elisha said, what can I give you? She said, I don't need anything. I live with my tribe. I live among my people. I don't ever need. You know, I suddenly realized, I don't really care what comes. If, if, the, if we as a group of people said, I'm committed to you. And we're in. We're doing this together. We're locking shields. We're standing together. And I don't care what comes. We're going to face it together. Well, suddenly the giant that looked so massive when I was standing alone doesn't look that scary anymore. I'm with a team. We're not so big, but count us. We're going to take you down. The fears that used to rattle around my heart because I'm locked in with other people. Steady. Does that make sense? Yeah. Find a tribe. Number three, live well among us. We started with Colossians 1, then we went to Colossians 2, this is Colossians 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Put on a t-shirt of compassion and an overcoat of kindness and some pants of humility and some. Clothe yourself. Get dressed up like this. Don't put on the obnoxious t-shirt or the grumbly hat or the stinky shoes. (laughs) Clothe yourself with humility and compassion and kindness. Bear with one another. If you find the perfect church, that scripture no longer is necessary. But that scripture is in the Bible because you won't find the perfect church. You and I are going to have to learn to bear with other people. And forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, stop. 
If some of you brought some grievance from last year into this year, it must end now. Ends now. Because the Bible says so. I don't know of many. I'm just saying. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, with psalms and hymns and songs in the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I don't know how much time is appointed to me makes me accountable to God to maximize today. The temptation is to go, you know, I've worked hard. It's now time to rest. I'm not so sure I want to rest. I think God is going to allow me to be productive and restful. You can be restful, but I'm not so sure that God ever created a pension. God ever said retirement. I never saw that in the scriptures. Retirement is basically the world's way of saying, we think you're not as useful as you used to be. I get it. I get this. You know, I get this diminishing returns. I get all of that, and I get there's a moment for people to go and do some other stuff. I just, I'm just saying, in terms of the purpose of God for your life, in terms of the reason why God put you on this planet, I don't think that ever goes away. Because if there's more time appointed to you, then there's more purpose for you to achieve. You may not do it in the same frenetic activity you used to do it when you were 20. Praise God. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Time and change are coming at you. What do you want to do with them? Can I suggest that if you seek wisdom and you find a tribe that you can do it with and you live well in that tribe, that that's the best best opportunity for you to maximize the purpose for which God called you. And that's what we're doing this year. I genuinely am full of anticipation for good things that are coming this year. I think God is going to prosper and bless and heal and transform people all over this place. I think it's going to be an astounding year. And you know why? Because I believe we're going to link arms and stand together as one. You pick on one of us, you picked on all of us. When we stand like that, there is nothing coming and nothing to fear. Just a wild, 
wide-eyed, shiny-eyed expectation of good. So let me pray for us.